thank you, Greg, for praying for us, and thank you, Ryan, for leading us in such sweet worship. What a joy it is to stand in front of you this morning and get to share out of God's Word what He has prepared for me and what He has laid on my heart. Uh, we've been working through a series called Unleash. We've been talking about the power that God gives us. It's listed in Ephesians. It was uh, joyful to be here uh, Friday night and see David Platt turn to this exact same book, share out of this book, and even use some of uh, the exact same passage that we talked about. He even had a but God moment, which was wonderful. I loved that when he shared out of that. Uh, we've been digging in, into Ephesians 3.20 as we've looked at the power that's available to us. As you look at Ephesians 3.20, we've kind of worked through that there's power available to you personally, and then there's power available to the church. And this morning, I want to share with you about prayer. Uh, again, fascinating Friday night, uh, David Platt, the president of the IMB, does Secret Church, and it's a video-driven simulcast that he does. Uh, Friday night was the 18th one that he has done, uh, but they were previewing 19. He does them once a year. They're always around Easter. So uh, Secret Church 19 will be in April next year. And he told us uh, in the video that he's going to cover prayer in 19. I thought, oh my gosh, that's what I've been studying and reading. So what you will hear this morning is not six hours of deep in-depth into prayer. In fact, I was thinking about when I was preparing for this, uh, sometime, uh, and maybe before even next April, I really want to take us and walk us through prayer. And you could literally spend months and years on prayer certainly can't cover all of the topic that I want to cover with you this morning about the power of prayer. I really only want to highlight two very small things this morning, but that can have a huge impact on your life and my life if we will continue to remember them and put them into practice. As we prepare to do this, let me take you back to Ephesians 3.20 because I, I want to make sure you grab this and then we're going to go uh, to two different passages in the Bible. So you're going to have to hold on to your Bible this morning, kind of be ready to flip through. Uh, one of them I'll probably just kind of quote for you out of Jeremiah. The other one we'll go to Psalms 5 in just a minute, and we'll look at the book, uh, uh, chapter 5 in the book of Psalms, uh, to talk about how God wants us to unleash this power of prayer. Before we do that, let's get this foundation for sure in Ephesians 3. Uh, and I, I just want to, I've been hammering this. I know you know that already. So we've covered these verses a lot. I, I really don't want to hammer them again and repeat the same things again. But there, there is one thing that, that I want to point out as we launch into how God can use us as we pray. How the power that he gives us in, in being able to speak to our Heavenly Father can unleash incredible power. So when you're looking at Ephesians 3, remember, again, forgive me for repeating, but remember, this is Paul praying. And when he's praying, he, he's kneeling before God. And I'll share with you something about that, a, a lot of things about prayer real quickly, uh, even positions that you can pray in. And I'm just going to fly through them. I'm going to do a David Platt, but you'll just bear with me for just a second as I do this. But he's kneeling before God. He's praying and he's, he's talking about so many different things. And then he, he comes to verse 20, which is where I want to land for just a second this morning because I want you to be able to catch this one more time. It says, now to him, referring to God, who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine according to his power. Now, here, here's what I want you to, to grab. Several things, obviously, that God can do more, immeasurably more than you ask or that you even imagine, but it's according to his power that's at work within us. Now, that's a whole big package that we could unpack over a lot of time, and I, I don't want to spend all that time this morning unpacking that, but the, the, the things that I want you to grasp here is that it's God's power that's doing way more than you even imagine or that you even ask for. This, you know, it's, it's that picture that you paint in your mind, you know, when you were a small child and you, you asked for a, bis, a bicycle for Christmas, but they didn't get you a bicycle, they got you a motorcycle. I, I think like that. I mean, think about walking in Christmas morning and you were just hoping for a three-speed bike and you walked in and your parents had gotten you a dirt bike. I mean, I, I don't know if that, don't want to be sexist, but I know there may be some women going, uh, who cares, you know? But for every guy, if you asked for a bike and you walked in and there was a dirt bike, you would go crazy because that's not what you asked for. It's way more than what you asked for. That's, that's what's going on here. That's what's happening with Paul when he's talking to us about speaking to God. He's saying, let me, let me explain this to you uh, people. He's saying, now, the person that you're praying to is able to do more than you even dreamed of, immeasurably more than you even asked for. You don't have to be a scholar. Immeasurably means you can't even put it on the scale. You, you can't get a, a, a yardstick. You can't get a tape measure long enough to even figure out how much more God wants to give to you. And it's all according to his power. You didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't uh, your working that made it happen. It was all his power. Again, back to the reference. Uh, you know, when you, when you walked in at Christmas, you didn't get anything that you paid for or that you used your own power to get. You know, the only thing you did was say, can I have a bike? And all of a sudden, there's a, there's a dirt bike there, a motorcycle. Not a pedal bike, but an engine bike. That's way more than you could even put on the yardstick. It doesn't measure up to what you were asking for, and you had no power in placing that under the tree on Christmas morning. It was all your parents doing. It was all their work. They decided they wanted to do crazy things for you. That's what's going on here with God. That's what Paul is saying to us. And he's saying that it's at work within us to him be the glory. I love that. I mean, think about yourself on Christmas morning. You know, you ask for a bike. You walk in, there's a dirt bike. So what do you do? I mean, if, if you're a normal, you know, 11-year-old boy, you run and you go grab your dad and you put your arms around him and your mom and you're hugging them and you're screaming them and you're praising them for being incredible parents to you. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying 
Now that he's done more than you even asked, more than you've even dreamed, and it was all him and nothing you did, then give him the glory. But what do we do? I mean, you know, that promotion happens or that raise happens or, you know, that beautiful woman walks into your life that you've been praying for all these years, and you go, well, look at me. I must be dressed pretty good tonight. Look at she's acting toward me. And we give ourselves all the praise and all the glory. And what Paul is saying, that the biggest mistake we can make in our life is, is not to give God the glory and God the praise. So we're going to fly through this this morning. You're going to have to hold on with me as we kind of go through this as quickly as we can. Let me, I told you I was going to throw some things out at you, and I, you, you just need to listen. It's going to happen quick. No way you can write all this down. But I want, I want you to take in these nine things about prayer uh, that I did some research on and, and, and found some things that I think just help us to understand the importance of prayer and the options that are available to us when we pray. Listen, there are 650 prayers listed in the Bible. There are 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible. The first time prayer is ever mentioned in the Bible is Genesis, the fourth chapter, the 26th verse. The Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times in his earthly ministry. And if Jesus thought it was important enough to do 25 different prayers, how much more? should we be praying? In the Bible, Paul mentions prayer 41 different times. Ephesians is one of them. He mentions it twice in Ephesians, in the first chapter and the third chapter. Although prayer can be and should be done from any bodily position, there's five different postures. Listen, remember I told you in here that Paul's praying, and in, in, if you look back at verse 14, chapter 3, he says, for this reason I kneel. Well, that's a position. Listen to the different positions that are listed here. You can sit, you can stand, you can kneel, you can do it with your face to the ground, and you can do it with your hands lifted up. Always goes against Baptist tradition, but you can lift your hands and pray, and it's perfectly fine. In fact, just a side note, check the box, hate your pastor kind of a moment. Uh, all of us, at some time or another, should find ourselves lifting our hands in holy worship to God or in praying to God. There's nothing embarrassing about that. And you and I probably find ourselves, because of the way we grew up and because of our tradition, standing there going when we're singing amazing worship songs that Ryan's leading us in or when we're praying, as Greg just prayed for us a minute ago, we find ourselves going, well, I want to do that, but you know what? I'm in the Baptist church. I cannot do that. And the truth is, in the Baptist church, who believe scripture and believe what scripture teaches, we should be worshiping God and you should be going, well, I don't mind doing that because that's a holy God that I'm lifting my hands to. You know, you know what? The, I mean, when, when you go to rob somebody and you point a gun at them and they go like that, you know what they're saying? They're saying, I, anything you want, I will give you. I surrender. That's that's what you're doing when you're raising holy hands to God. You're just saying, I surrender. Okay, that wasn't even part of the sermon. All right. Uh, so here, here's number seven. It, when, when you pray, there's, there's five areas of focus. The, and, and this is in Jesus' prayer, you know, where he prays what some people call the Lord's Prayer. I like to call it the model prayer because I, I don't see that we're called to pray the same exact prayer that Jesus prayed. 
what I see is that Jesus said, here's how you should pray. And so I don't think Jesus wants us in every worship service to stand up and quote the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I, I think what he said was, here's the way that you should pray. Now you pray because you're praying to me. And, and what he showed us is that we should honor him, that his kingdom should come, that his provision is given to us, that forgiveness is granted, and that God's deliverance will be provided for us. That's what's in the model prayer, and that's what we should be praying when we pray. The Bible lists at least nine different types of prayer. Nine different types of prayer. Does that mean that's all the kinds of prayer? I don't think so, but there's at least nine different types that are mentioned. Listen to this. There's a prayer of faith. There's a prayer of agreement. There's a prayer of request. There's a prayer of thanksgiving. There's a prayer of worship. There's a prayer of consecration. There's a prayer of intercession. There's a, a prayer of imprecation, and there's praying in the Spirit. Now, you probably caught all those quickly and understood all those, those except what's a prayer of imprecation. Well, a, a prayer of imprecation is in Psalm 5, and I'll show it to you in just a minute. <laughs> and you're going you're gonna to go, what, when I tell you this. But a prayer of imprecation is a prayer where you put a curse on somebody. Did you know that you could pray that? Some of you are going, oh my gosh, and you're writing that down right now, and you're going, right? this, this is great. I don't care about anything else, but Bobby said we could curse people today. Um, it, it is truthful. It, it's, it's guarded, and you will understand the guardedness of it. The, the curse is when people are doing things against your God, not against you. So you, you may have all, you know, people, I, all of us have people in our life that you would go, man, I'd just like to curse them. I'd like to pray a curse on that guy right there. But you cannot do that because he has something against you. Scripture never gives you any ability to do that because somebody has something against you. What Scripture does give you the ability to do is when somebody is against your holy God, then you can pray a curse against them. Example. Uh, and, and you please hear me that I believe with all my heart that we have to walk this line very finely. But uh, when Muslims speak ill against our God and they are very adamant in, in denouncing who our God is and who we walk with, uh, I would encourage you to pray a prayer of curse against the words that they are speaking, not the people that they are. Here's how I would envision a prayer like that to be. Dear God, you are my God. You are the holy God. You are the one and the only true God. And the words that this Muslim man is speaking against you, I curse those words because they go against my holy God. You, the one, the true, the only God. But my heart bleeds for his heart. Not probably and not unequivocally, not as much as your heart bleeds. So my heart would be that you would save this man, but you would curse his words against you. Make sense? Okay. One more thing that I want to share with you. The word amen, uh, some of you may not have a clue what that word means. But the way we close prayers and the way you see it all through Scripture, that word amen means so be it. 
It, it, it means uh, it, it's kind of like putting an exclamation point on the end of your prayers. Uh, truly, I want this to happen would be another way to say it. Um, like when Greg prayed for the offering just a minute ago and that, that we would use those tithes and offerings to further the kingdom, that he would be with me as I shared with you this morning. Uh, the, the way he closed it, amen, would be uh, another way to, for him to have closed it that would have uh, made sense to you. It's just that we don't look at that as the ending. We always listen for amen. But if Greg would have said, truly, I want that to happen today, Lord, that would have been him saying amen. It's the same words. Okay, now that you have kind of those understandings of prayer and just some fast facts that I, I wanted to flash through, remember, I can't teach you everything about prayer this morning, but my heart is over the years that the Lord leads, leads me here in service that you and I would begin to understand more and more about prayer and be way more involved about prayer. I want to share with you just a couple of things. Before I do that, let me just give you a couple of statements that I that I hope will open your mind and, and your thought process to, oh my gosh, I, I really never thought about this before. The first one is this. What, what would your prayers, what, what would your prayers look like? What would my prayers look like if we could actually see what was going on in heaven when we prayed? How much different would your prayers look? And how much different would my prayers look? I, I thought about this um, just for my, my own personal benefit and my own personal understanding. There's so many things that happen in our life that we only know uh, just a, a portion of kind of what's going on. We don't know the, the whole story. Um, when, when you go to watch your favorite baseball team or your favorite football team or whatever sports team, when, when you go to watch them, you don't have really any inkling of how much work they've put in, how much practice they put in, how much is, uh, you know, what the pregame prep was like, how, you know, how, what did they eat for their pregame meal, what did the coach say to them before they walked out onto the field. You don't have any clue of that. All you do is you see them come out onto the field and they start playing. And then you either get elated because things are going well or you get really frustrated because things aren't going your way. It, that's the kind of the driving point th that I want. We have earthly minds and earthly bodies. But if, if there was any way that, that we could peel back heaven and, and you could see the kingdom of heaven, and you could see the Father, and you could see Jesus seated at his right side. And you could see the angels that are worshiping the Father. If there was some way you could put that visual into your mind, and then you made the statement, Father, I want to come to you this morning about my little girl who's sick. And you could see... All that peeled back, and the moment you said, Father, you could see him go, what? I'm, I'm listening. I, I'm waiting. And then you said, Father, I, I want to come to you about my little girl who's sick, and see him go, 
you there and you over there. And you could see him begin to make moves because you opened your mouth and you spoke to the almighty God. How much would that change your prayer life? How much would you open up to becoming a totally different person because you knew who was answering and you saw him put movement to your words? I don't know about you, but I'm convinced that if I can ever begin to grasp that picture of that holy God, who created me, who loves me, who calls me his child, who sent his son to die for me on the cross, who rose again three days later so that I could be forgiven, is waiting for me, I think my prayer life would change. I think yours would too. Second thing and second statement I want to make to you is beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God. Not only by unbelief, but by fancying things that you know that you think he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we may ask. That's what Andrew Murray quoted. You know, that, that's the tendency within our prayer life is, is we want to pray to God, but then we want to limit God. Because we don't think he can pull it off. You know, there's, there's no doubt within my mind, and I know it's true within you too, that you've been disappointed over and over again by people. Your father may have disappointed you. Your mother may have disappointed you. Your best friend may have disappointed you. Your preacher may have disappointed you. All these people disappointed you. I get it. I've been disappointed too. I've spent a life being disappointed just like you have spent a life being disappointed by people. But guess what? People aren't God. God is different than people. God is the creator of the universe. He never disappoints you. And when you go to him, you don't have to go to him half-hearted. You don't have to ask for half things. You can ask for the full meal deal. You could ask for everything. I, you know, it, it's such a joy to be Joshua's dad. Uh, it really is. And, and you know he's, he has some learning difficulties. Uh, but it's, it's a joy to be his father because he teaches me so much about what it means to have a heavenly father. Because we'll walk into restaurants sometimes and we'll walk up and I'll say, this is me at Whataburger, you know, I, I want the number one meal with cheese on a wheat bun because I want to be healthy, you know. <laughs> kind of like a blueberry donut. I've never figured it out, but to me it seems healthy to eat a blueberry donut. But so I'm, I'm asking for that, and, you know, they always ask you if you want to supersize it, and I go, no, because that's not healthy. So, you know, so I, I do that, and I, I, get it, I get it just the way I want it. And Joshua's always standing next to me and expecting me to pay, which is typical, but I'm okay with it. So he's doing that. And then the lady will turn to him and say, what do you want? And he'll go, same thing. And he doesn't have to do that. He, he's smart enough. He's old enough. He's bright enough. He can ask for anything he wants. But he always asks for the same thing. 
And the implication there is because what's good enough for the Father is good enough for him. And, and you've got to, and I've got to, be able to grasp the fact that what the Father wants for you is good things. And you can ask for them. You're not limited to the kitty menu. You've got whatever immeasurably more than you ever dreamed or asked for. And it's waiting for you. Listen, one more thing. You can do more than pray. I love this. This is a quote by A.J. Gordon. He said, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. That's one of those tongue twisters. But if you think about it, what he's saying is you can do more than pray, but you got to pray first. That's the first thing that has to come out. And once you pray, then you can do more than pray. But don't ever do more than pray until you pray. That's one of those things they give you a test on, and you go, I don't know what the answer is. Two very important things that I want to to tell you about prayer. I've been yelling, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to love you for about five minutes, and we'll be done. Let me tell you two very important things about prayer. First thing is this. God's moved to action when you seek after him. Jeremiah 33, 3, you don't have to go there. If you'll write it down and you'll look at it after the sermon this morning, we'll turn to Psalm 5 in just a second and finish up. But Jeremiah 33, 3 is, is, we used to call it, when I was in seminary, we used to call it God's phone number. And, and I love that understanding of Jeremiah 33, 3. The, the scripture says, call unto me. Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you never dreamed of. Is that not amazing? That if you call God, he's going to show you great and mighty things. But don't miss this part. Please don't miss this point. Because in Jeremiah 33, 33, 3, it says, call me and I will answer you. At, you know, technology is a wonderful thing, but uh, there, there's some things I, I don't like about it, and I'm going to give away some things that I probably shouldn't give away about myself. But I'm going, you know, when, when somebody texts me and I see who that text is, because it kind of pops up on that first screen, and I know all you do this, so I know I'm not, you know, I'm not the only one who does this. So, but it, it, it pops up on that first screen, and you see it, and it says, Laura just texted you. Or, and you can see the first few words of that message. You know, if you have an iPhone, and they have an iPhone, that if you hit that, and it goes to that message, then on Laura's screen, it's going to pop up. He read that. You know? I See? I, th those that are laughing know this. But I, I see that come up. You know, Laura just texted you, and I'll start reading it, and I go, oh, I don't know if I want to touch that right now. Because <laughs> as soon as she sees that I read that, then she's going to say, why didn't he text me back? You know, why didn't he? So some of you know my trick now. Because <laughs> I can always text you back and go, I just saw that text that you sent me. You know, I, I know all the tricks. You know all the tricks. Here's the deal. <laughs> God doesn't use those tricks. When, when you call God, the Jeremiah 33, 
3 says, when you call God, he answers you. You don't have to get mad at God. Because when you call God, he's going to answer you. He's not putting his cell phone in his back pocket. He's not turning it, flipping it over on his desk and waiting for later. When you call him, the scripture says that he answers you. Think, of, think David and Goliath. Uh, you know, David facing off with Goliath, he's standing and he's praying and he's talking to that giant Philistine and he's saying, you, and this is kind of a, a, a prayer of, uh, you know, where you curse, but he's basically saying, you have been an affront to my God. You've come out 40 days and 40 evenings and you have said that my God is not who he says he is. And so he says, I've, I've picked up five smooth stones and I'm going to kill you not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to take it. And that's exactly what he does. Because David has spoken to the living God. And he's done, the living God has answered him and done more than anybody would have ever dreamed. In fact, you remember when they were selecting David to go against the, the giant? Everybody said, no, he's too small. He can't do it. You know, and then they said, well, if you're going to go out there, let us put all this armor on you at least so you don't, you know, when you're getting beat up to a pulp, you'll have armor on. And David said, don't need any of it. Don't care what my height is. Don't care about anything else because I serve the living God. And he can do immeasurably more than I asked or even dreamed of. So what? I'll just pick up five stones and I'll pray and I'll take the giant out and I'll cut his head off and I'll bring it back to you. And that's exactly what he does. Think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get put in the fiery furnace because they won't bow down to the king and his idol. And what do they do? They talk to God. And what does God do? He answers them. And, and they come out of the fire. They come out of the fire not even smelling like smoke because God has protected them. And the king doesn't know what to do. But that's because they called to their God and their God answered them. And it's the same God that you and I worship today. And he will answer you and he will do immeasurably more than you ever dreamed or asked. Psalm 5, turn there. So Psalm of David, it's a prayer. <clears throat> Bear with me, I promise, two or three more minutes. Bear with me. Listen to this, Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For you I pray, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house in reference. Will I bow down towards your holy temple? Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your ways before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongue they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Oh my gosh, here comes the prayer of imprecation. 
Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them from their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, for those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a shield. So many things going on here. But here's the two points that I wanted to make with you today. One is that you and I are, are called to talk to God. God is moved by those when we seek after him. So you have the power. Listen to me. It's important that you get these two things. You have the power to move all God, Almighty God to action by talking to him, praying to him. Now, it may not be the action you want. It may not be the answer you want. But you have the power to move him to action by speaking your voice to him and calling upon your holy God. The second thing you have to be able to grab is this. When you pray, you must be moved to action. Don't miss that. There's two things that have to happen. One is you call God and you ask Him to move to action, but God calls you and says, now you move to action. All right. You're going to get tired of me. You know, long by the time I'm ready to, to, to leave here, you're going to be so tired of hearing me say this. But you, you call God and ask God if He should send you to serve Him on a mission trip or somewhere else. I'm telling you, then your job is to, where can I go and what can I do to serve my God? There's some prayers like that. <laughs> there, there's some prayers that you make that the answer has already been given. You, you've got to figure that out. <laughs> you, you, again, you get mad at me. It's okay. I don't mind. That's part of my job is get mad at me. But if you bow your head and say, dear God, should I give to you? Should I financially give to you? Yeah. Let me answer that for you. Yes. You don't have to wait for God to answer. It's in his word. Now, what you give, what you give it to, how much you give, all that stuff, I can't answer that for you. You've got to answer that. But you don't have, you know, Dear God, should I bring my children to church? Uh, you know, as my 28-year-old daughter would say, duh. You know, you, you, don't, you don't need that answer. The question you ask is, dear God, where should you lead us to worship you? Where should you take us? What church is teaching the scripture? What church is doing things for the kingdom? How can we be involved in that church? So they're, they're prayers. And then those prayers, when you call to your holy God, call you to be put, put yourself into action to do things to serve the Almighty God. I, I, I get happy with myself sometimes. I really like what I wrote down here. Our prayer life should always involve asking God to move and then asking God, where should I move? Your prayer life should always be asking God to move. Dear God, would you move? And then get, where do you want me to move? You know. I, I was going to make this in the announcements, but I'll make it to you now uh, because it involves action. 
You know, one of the great things that's happening here in our family, in, in, in our community that we call Holly Springs, is we are birthing babies like nobody's business, you know. It's a, it's a water thing. It's a something. I don't know. Uh, but I'm telling you, we are birthing so many babies that Anna came to me the other day and said, we got to do something. And I said, yeah, there, I mean, there's two ways to answer that. No, we're not doing anything. You know, we're going to tell people to start going somewhere else because we have too many babies here. Or we're going to say, we're going to do something because these babies need to be here and we need their parents here so we can love on them and, and we want them to bring their babies so they can learn the love of Jesus like Anna's teaching them and her workers are teaching them. So she said, Bobby, you need to tell everybody that starting next Sunday over in this far corner behind the kitchen, behind the fellowship hall, we're going to have to open a new room uh, because we can't keep zeros to ones in the same room anymore. So we're going to move six months old to one year old out over to this room, and we're going to need some volunteers to love on those babies and, and to hold them uh, while we worship. And some of you would, you know, I mean, after hearing me preach for a year ago, I'd like to volunteer for that. She, you know, can I get out of here? I get it, and that's fine. But some of you, I just hope that every once in a while you would say, because Anna doesn't want you every Sunday, what she wants you to do is just rotate to. You know, once a month, go hold a baby. Heck, I may go do it once a month and let somebody else come preach. Let Clint preach. I, honestly, I, I'm seriously thinking about doing that. I, what's, what's the problem with doing that? There is no problem with doing that because you need to see service practice. And we all need to be serving hard. So... That's what we need to be about. But that's what uh, is, say, is said here in Psalm 5 when David says, in the morning I lay my request to you and then I wait in expectation. You know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for God to tell him what to do and where to go. That's what we should all be doing. Okay, God, I'm calling you out. I want you to do some things. Where, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? Let me close by saying this. I, I love the, it's a it's a quote from Martin Luther, uh, just amazing man of God from years and years ago, obviously. But listen to what he said. He said, "Pray like everything depends on God, and then work like everything depends on you." I love that. We need to pray like everything depends on God because it does, and then we need to work like everything depends on us because that's what He wants us to do. He wants us to work for the kingdom until he calls us home. Let's pray. God, you are an amazing God, and you give us the power, the joyful power to be able to pray to you and talk to you. So God, as you give us that power to pray to you, would you also infuse us with your heart to be in service to you? God, we are, we are blessed to be called your children. Now as we spend a few moments in reflection of what you have taught us today in worship, God, would you open up the hearts of the people through the power of the Holy Spirit to answer the call on their lives. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.